Welcome to Happy Hour with the Three Tomatoes. Pour yourself a glass of wine or grab a cup of coffee because really, shouldn't every hour be happy hour? Cheers! Before we start our episode, let's talk girlfriend to girlfriend because we have a special message and a great offer from our friends at Pulse. We all know that when we go through menopause, we lose estrogen. But what we often don't talk about is how this can lead to intimacy issues. Sex can become uncomfortable and even painful. You may have tried personal lubes and were turned off by the sticky mess. Yuck. But there's good news. There's a new line of awesome personal lubes that were created by a rock star team of women. They include doctors, engineers, chemists, and sociologists. You'll love Aloe Ah, a luxuriously smooth silicone-based lube with soothing aloe and vitamin E. And H2O is a natural water-based moisturizing lube, and it's made with hydrating organic chia extract. There's no sticky, icky mess here, let me tell you. You'll also love the Pulse Lube Warming Device. And trust us, ladies, the Pulse products are game changers when it comes to great sex at any age. And here's the best part. Get 15% off all lubes with code 3TPULSE15. Just go to lovemypulse.com. That's code 3TPULSE15, lovemypulse.com. Learn more and get your discount. Hi, I'm Kim Selby, and I am the San Francisco editor of the Three Tomatoes newsletter. I'm your host for this episode of the Three Tomatoes Happy Hour. So cheers, and thanks for joining in. My guest today is the ever-fashionable Paul Jolch. Now, his name may be familiar to you because he is one of the style contributors for the Three Tomatoes newsletter. Paul's a personal stylist who is responsible for styling windows and creating displays for many of your favorite retail stores. He has worked on photo shoot sets and styled for corporate videos. Basically, he's a style guru, and he works with women and men to help them look their best and feel confident and fabulous about themselves. Paul has his own company, Urbanite Suburbanite. And today we're going to chat a little bit about debunking the whole new year, new you slogan that gets thrown about every January. So welcome, Paul. Thank you, Kim. Hello, everyone. I'm looking forward to chatting with you guys today. Well, I'm very happy that you're here. Paul and I have known each other for several years, and uh, we we have a blast talking about fashion. So, Paul, what do you think about this new year, new you? I'm so sick of hearing about that. What do you think that means in reference to our wardrobe? Well, I feel like in many respects, society, retail, people feel like the new year is the best time to update everything about you, to start new things, to change bad habits, to adopt newness in every aspect of your life. And I don't know about you, but after the holidays, I'm a little chubby. I'm a little tired and I'm a little poor. And the last thing I want to do is get up off the couch and change everything I do. So, so I understand the idea of approaching the new year on your best foot, but I'm totally fine approaching the new year, sitting down and taking a little break. I love that idea. I mean, I tell you, let's talk about that bank account that gets depleted. <laughs> Even though there's great sales, you know, sometimes it's hard to get out there and shop, but 
what if, so you're a little chubby, right? You've eaten more than your fair share of cookies and had one or 12 not, <laughs> egg knots. <laughs> um, you know, is there something that you would recommend? Say someone's out and they're returning something they got that they really hated, that Christmas sweater, and the sales are out. Is there like something that someone should look for in January not be tempted by like all the glitter and glitz that's out there, but a staple piece that might be on sale, that might be something that could really help a person's wardrobe say, yowza. So specifically in January, of course, you're going to find sales on winter clothes. The really nice thing about January is you're finding sales on winter clothes, but winter essentially has just started at the end of December. So it can really be a wear now idea. One really good category that is on sale in January is coats. Um, especially depending on where you live, you might not kick into the freezing weather until December and January. I mean, here in the Bay Area, yes, we've had some rain, but the real rainy season for us is January. So coats are definitely on sale. Um, so it's a great category to look for right now. The caveat I will definitely put out there about coats and about shopping anything in January is have a general idea of what you want, but don't get too specific with your desires. And what I mean by that is have a general idea that I would love a great coat that works in the rain that I could wear to work. Perfect. You can't have in your head I want a red, double-breasted, you know, hip-length trench coat because you might not find that on sale. Um, and I'm going to also say just because it's on sale is not a good enough reason to buy. It should be something that you wanted before that is just a little more attainable right now because it's on sale. You mean those like sparkly Dorothy slippers that I bought just because they were on sale? Probably not going to ever wear. Not a good idea. <laughs> I think you can wear those out to lunch with me whenever you want. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I could wear sparkles. I I love my glitz. It might be a good time. It might be a good time to buy for next next Christmas season, if you can fathom the thought of that after we put away the decorations, I guess. But the other thing I'm wondering, do you know... I mean, I think cashmere goes on sale, doesn't it? Oh, I would say even looking at those heavy, chunky sweaters, like I said, anything sort of winter focused is great. Um, what I would love for you to do, for anyone to do, is before you hit the stores, do take some stock of your wardrobe. Because a lot of my clients, and I'm going to not exclude myself from this category, have a habit of repeat buying. <laughs> so if you already have a giant stack of those cashmere sweaters, unless some of them are wearing out, I'm going to advise to really go through and see what you need from a color perspective, from a silhouette perspective. Again, not being too specific and disappointing yourself, but just having a loose idea of what the holes are, as opposed to just thinking, ooh, cashmere under $100, I'm going to buy it to add to your pile of 12 <laughs> cashmeres under $100 that you already have at home. That's a really good point. I'm I'm I've been known to buy 12 pair of black jeans all looking the same. So I get it. I so do you have any tips for people about maybe maybe they could start their spring cleaning now? I mean, and and anything that they might be looking for. I don't know, it's kind of early to tell, but it what's 
the general rule of thumb when you buy something, how long you keep it. I know people hear lots of different things. Or I mean, when you go in your closet, you know, and you're like, oh, I love that, but I don't wear it. I mean, how long should you keep something that you bought, regardless of what it's on sale, before you get rid of it? And you know how, I mean, like when I buy something new, I try to get rid of something as well. But can, do you have any hints about that kind of thing for us? Because not everybody knows, you know, we're always wondering. Well, and I do, just to hit on that quickly, I do agree with you on the one in one out rule and it's one I try to abide by. And basically if I buy a new heavy winter sweater, I need to get rid of one. If I buy a new pair of sneakers, I need to get rid of a pair of sneakers just to control how much is in your wardrobe, especially I can speak for me and Kim since I've been in her closet. <laughs> we love clothes. We have enough. We don't need any more. So I really have to love, I have to think of this when I'm shopping, that I have to love something enough to let go of something that is sitting at home. But to answer your question specifically regarding how long you should keep something, the general rule, and this is very general, is I would say about a year and it's a little bit less than that because let's say you get through the entire winter season without wearing a few of your sweaters. That means one of two things. There are a few that you don't really love that much or you have too many, which both can be a really strong impetus to get rid of some. It is really hard to wear your clothes when you can't even see or remember most of what you have. So I would say if you get through an entire season without wearing it, that could be, as I term with my clients, the item is up for elimination. Um, <laughs> but I would also, I would throw a little, a little comment on that as well, that social clothes, like cocktail dresses, specifically dress clothes, don't necessarily mean that because it's a function of how many invitations you had this year. Um, if you're going to buy new, I would definitely look at what you already have, but I wouldn't necessarily get rid of a cocktail dress because you didn't wear it over this holiday season if it's a great one. Um, you know, your sparkly shoes, you might not have worn them this season, but like we say, we can wear them any time of year. Um, so social clothes I would take out of that category and specific occasion clothes, like dresses you'd wear to wed weddings, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But your everyday clothes, if, if you get through an entire season, meaning like all of fall and winter, so six months-ish, and you haven't worn it, you might not wear it again, or you might not remember you own it. Yeah, good point. So so this whole new year, new you thing, um, I kind of was joking about that because it, it makes me gag a little bit. <laughs> but say you have a, a new client coming to you. Let's just give people an idea of what you would do for a new client. Say they're coming to you this month and they say, um, I need you to work on my wardrobe. I've gained a few pounds, but I need your help. What would be the first thing that you would do to assist them? So the first thing we would do, and it's essentially the first meeting with my clients, mostly after a quick phone consultation, is going through their closet. You really can't look to see what you want until you know what you're working with already. And for me, one of those very first filters is looking to see what you have that fits and looking to see what you have that doesn't fit. Fit is the most important thing in fashion, no matter how much or how little you spend. If it doesn't fit well, it doesn't matter how much it costs. And well-fitting clothes that are less expensive will look more expensive. So I would say the first thing that you would do and what I do with clients is weeding through the things that don't fit. 
what I do with clients specifically, and it would also be specific to this time of year, especially for anyone that tells me that they might have gained a little weight. I would say we leave in your closet what is fitting you right now. If there are items that you tell me honestly that <laughs> will fit you in two months, that you've just got five pounds away from, that you really still want to keep, then I just say get them away from where you get dressed every morning so that when you open your closet door and it's the main sort of everyday wardrobe you have, whether it's for work or casual, that you could grab anything and you know it will fit. If you have things that don't fit that you want to keep, that's what you store for now. You put them in underbed boxes. You put a box in the garage. You put them in the downstairs closet just so they're not in your way. Because this, for me, especially at this time of year, especially if you're feeling a little bit bigger than you've been before, the last thing you want to see is clothes that don't fit you. And it's not really nice to yourself to force yourself to look at clothes that are too small on a daily basis. Well, that makes a lot of sense. And then, of course, once it's under your bed and you forget about it, you're like, oh, never needed that anyway. <laughs> exactly. So I, what I deal with a lot of people with that, too, and it's for things that don't fit them, but additionally for things that there's no good reason to keep, but they don't want to let go, that if you put it away and you haven't thought about it for three months, you don't know you own it and you don't even miss it. So it's okay to let go. The only this uh, thing I would say about that is if it's specifically clothes that are just one size smaller and you are in process to lose the weight. Got it. Well, I think that's a really good tip. As In terms of, um, do you know what's coming up on the horizon in terms of what we should be looking for? Coming, regarding trends? Yeah, be, regarding trends, I guess, colors or anything. I know it's 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 hard to think about that now because it's December, but <laughs> I I always sort of keep my eyes peeled and you know, for what's what's coming, but I guess we don't really see it until it hits the stores and fashion week has been long gone, but Yeah, correct. I mean, you'll see stuff popping up in magazines probably starting in February cuz, you know, spring in fashion starts essentially in February, even though it's still freezing. Yeah. Um, one recent trend that I just saw, like yesterday, the day before, is that Pantone announced its new color for the year. And for anybody who doesn't know Pantone, it's essentially a color sort of charting service that they chart trends in colors. And this would affect everything from apparel to interiors, etc. But they put out every year what they believe sort of the big color is. And the big color for 2019 is, a sh I don't know what they call it, but it's a shade of coral. Oh, drum um, roll, please. Coral, yeah. coral, coral coming coral back. Coral is going to be big. Again, depending on where you shop, it depends on how big it is. Because Pantone might declare a color. It might start weeding into the high-end designer lines, but if you're more of sort of a moderate mall shopper like a lot of my clients, you might not see that color filtering in for six months to a year because mm. it definitely filters down from high-end designers into more mainstream fashion. Oh, um, that's, a, that's good to know. Yeah, because just because they could be on the lookout too. Yeah, because especially because you know the life cycle with a lot of fashion is running at least six months ahead. Everything that you're going to find in stores for spring was already designed and manufactured, or at minimum designed and decided upon, the latest than the fall. Yeah. So they run, they run on a six month to 12 month cycle ahead. Um, trend wise, there's trends that I see that are still sort of cycling through that I don't see them being done yet. 
again, I can't predict anything. You know, you'll read a magazine and they will totally tell me I'm wrong, but whatever. Um, <laughs> but I think animal print is still going strong. I think it's peaking right at this very moment, but will still be leaking into spring and summer because it started last spring, but really gained heavy momentum into fall and winter. So I think that's still around. Um, I think so, the, sorry, go ahead. No, I'm gonna say, so do you think it's okay? I mean, I got a pair of leopard boots. Like, is it okay, you know, booties? Yeah. Okay to wear my leopard prints into March and April? You think that's okay? I totally think so. And I'm gonna give you a double-sided answer on that one. I totally <laughs> think it's okay from a trend perspective because it'll still be on trend. And my second answer is, I totally think it's okay because if you really like it, who cares if it's on trend? I love it. That's a great piece of advice. Any other nuggets like that? So you don't really subscribe to the theory that we should follow a trend, but a trend, unless we want to throw a piece into our wardrobe, right? We want to dress for ourselves. I definitely, I mean, a lot of what I talk to clients, when the clients tell me they want to dress more trendy, I sort of translate that into wanting to dress more modern, more current, and look like they participate in fashion. Because if you're using the sort of literal definition of trend, those are things that come and go very quickly. Um, things that, you know, retail is designed to make you want something new every three to four months, essentially, four times a year. And I can't, and I'm sure most of everybody listening to this cannot afford to get a new wardrobe three to four times a year. <laughs> yeah. So it's definitely looking at stuff you love. The thing I say about trends is that when something is on trend, let's use the animal print example. When animal print is on trend and it's something that you love, you have so many choices. You can find those animal print booties. You can find a leopard print coat. You can find a cheetah print blouse or skirt or sweater. So there's a ton of choices. So it's a great time for you to look what's out there and see what's gonna fit in your wardrobe, whether it's a print, whether it's a color, whether it's a specific silhouette or shape. But my, what I say about this as well is you have to love it. Do not buy it if it's simply on trend and that's the only reason you're buying it. If you are buying something mainly because it's on trend, that's when I say go cheap and cheerful. Go for an inexpensive way of playing with it in your wardrobe that's not an investment that you will be okay letting go of when the trend is over. I love that. So that's when I would go to my favorite fast fashion store of Zara, right? <laughs> exactly. That's when you'd go to your, you know, to fast fashion retailers and the fast fashion retailers are designed to really react to trends and produce them quickly. Where I quoted that six to 12 month life cycle for a lot of retailers, fast fashion retailers do it in more like two to three months. So that's what they're designed to do. Again, they do sacrifice quality in the fabrics, they do sacrifice quality in the construction. They're, you're not purchasing for longevity, you're purchasing for some fun right now. But even hitting some stores, especially in this January timeframe, and catching stuff on sale. Sale, comfortable price, something that doesn't break the bank, something that doesn't make a big dent in your wallet, that's when you buy something fun. So if you've been waiting to wear leopard print until it's been affordable, see if you can find something on a sale rack and then incorporate it into your wardrobe as something fun and different. Yeah, that's fun. I, I've really seen animal prints coming. I mean, they come back every year, but not like this. This is crazy. This has been gangbusters. Yeah. This season has been gangbusters. I see so many 
um, Instagram feeds and bloggers. And I'm like, seriously, three colors of leopard print? I don't know if you need all that at once. What do you think about that pattern mixing with leopard prints? You know, some people, Dolce can carry it off, you know, Moschino can carry it off. But what are your thoughts? Are there any hints or tips? I mean, I see floral skirts with leopard print blouses and I'm like, hey, I just can't do it. So I, what I see on, and again, speaking to Instagram and social media, I see a lot of people doing that. And I think it's really for attention um, oh. because print mixing is an amazing way to revive your wardrobe and see it in a different way, but you have to understand how to do it. You have to be using different prints that are in a similar color palette, but different scales. And it's really about balance and proportion. I love print mixing. Like, I mean, I'll do an outfit that has, you know, pop a leopard shoe on with jeans and a black and white striped sweater. That's adorable. The nice thing about that also is depending on what you're doing, your shoes aren't right next to your sweater. Right. So they're not touching. But I wouldn't say it's bad to throw on, you know, a black polka dot coat over a leopard sweater. It's just proportion, but it's fun. And it shows you like to play with fashion. And if you feel good in it, have fun. I love that. See, that's my favorite thing. If you feel good in it, wear it, have fun. Totally. And before we sort of, you know, um, wind things down, I mean, this is just such a fun, fun interview. I hope everybody's having fun listening to you and I chat about fashion. <laughs> but um, I think, you know, I'm obsessed with the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. And how do you think, I mean, I'm hoping, fingers crossed, and I don't know if all of you tomatoes out there are listening to, you know, are watching Mrs. Maisel, but I love it. What Do you have any idea how, you know, TV shows or whatever, uh, movies are dictating fashion or dictate what's coming in fashion? I keep waiting to see the 50s, 1950s styles pop up in my stores. Well, and it's, it goes back and forth, and it depends on how influential they are. You, if you talk to the people that, you know, created Mrs. Maisel or the people that, you know, uh, one of my favorites for me is the talented Mr. Ripley for men's clothes from the fifties. Oh, like yes. I aspire to being in that movie whenever I'm on vacation. Um, <laughs> that's my sort of, I don't know, vacation, fashion, spirit animal, I guess. Um, <laughs> but so I, I love Mrs. Maisel, by the way, I just started rewatching it from the beginning, but also because my husband missed it and I didn't tell him that I already watched it. But anyway, um, <laughs> It's definitely influential. It just depends on who picks up on it. And it might be in more of a subtle way. Because if you look specifically at Mrs. Maisel, yes, there is the true 50 silhouettes. The Dior's new look, which was the nipped-in waist and the full skirts, which was a dramatic contradiction coming out of the 40s, which was a much more straight up and down streamlined and you didn't show off women's waist as much. Um, so the reason that's so big and such a big movement in fashion is because it was a huge change, but you might be seeing subtle things like fuller skirts. You might be subtler things. Like if you look at her outfit specifically, which I have a lot of them memorized, just <laughs> the details, the folding of the fabric, the attention to the waist as a general idea also looking specifically. And yes, when I watch TV shows, I look really carefully at the clothes. And I also think really hard about what was the costume designer's intention behind it. So if you look at Mrs. Maisel specifically, 
in the show, she's dressed in really bright, bold colors and does fun combinations of colors. She at one point wears a bright blue dress with a bright green coat. Um, at one point, she's wearing a pink coat with her burgundy hat. So she is designed to stand <laughs> out. I love those color combinations. Ugh. She is designed to stand out in that show. And if you look at everybody else in the show, her mom is all shades of beige and brown. Her mm -hmm. friend is in a lot of really subtle tones. Um, her friend Imogen is in a lot of subtle tones. So other people are designed as a background. I'm going to say for everybody personally, when you see someone style like that and you see them really standing out, use that as inspiration for yourself to learn how to stand out. In her case, it's a play of color. I love that. And I guess, you know, we all have our own personalities, but what I love, and I'll just do a little Paul plug right now about Paul, is that he really works with your personality, but you also manage to inject a bit of color or life. I've seen it happen to other friends of ours. Uh, into people's wardrobes. And, and I love that uh, about what you do. And you don't try to make someone into a spitting image of someone else either, which is really great. So thank you. Thank you. I work a lot. I mean, that's why at the beginning, working with a client, we chat for a half an hour to 45 minutes because I want to find out about them and what they like and how they want to come across and how they want to present themselves and sort of what message they want to put out there. And then we can translate that very purposefully into clothes. What I work with people a lot on is stopping getting dressed by accident and dressed on purpose to put out the message that you want to put out there. And some people, it can be that bold color palette message. Some people, they might be more comfortable with neutrals, but we play with pattern. I have clients that are everything from sort of minimalist modern to 60s boho chic and everything in between. And it's definitely allowing them to play with what they love while creating a modern current wardrobe that is appropriate to the different situations in their life. I love it. I love it. So if you all listening have not yet uh, followed Paul, he posts some great, great outfit combinations on Instagram. What's your Instagram handle? Not that this is a commercial for Paul, but come on. he's but, So it's, I know it's a pain in the butt, but it's <laughs> herb suburb style. So it's URB. S-U-B-U-R-B-S-T-Y-L-E. That's my handle on Instagram. That's also my website. Um, and I post every single day on Instagram, um, mostly fun style tips and tricks. And then if you want to see behind the scenes of a stylist, those are in my stories. Yeah, it's really fun to follow him. I love it. And um, let's see, what was I going to say? I don't even know. My brain took a vacation because it's <laughs> December. <laughs> But I, oh, I know, because if you are interested and you are living in a different part of the country, Paul does Skype styling sessions because, of course, we do everything over our computers now. But it's so much fun. You know, he can go into your closet. You take your computer in your closet. And yeah, I work with clients Paul. virtually all over the country. And through Skype and Pinterest, we do similarly to what I do with people in person. So it's definitely a fun, different way. Um, to have someone as an objective eye, an expert opinion, and just a different perspective on your wardrobe. Yeah, it's great. Thank you. And I thank you so much for being my first guest oh, on thank the you. Three Tomatoes Happy Hour podcast. And I'll cheer you virtually with uh, a beverage of choice. Perfect. And, <laughs> and I hope that we are all looking fabulous because as you may or may not know people listening, 
we are judged in the first 27 seconds. I thought it was 10, but it's really 27 seconds upon meeting someone. So I think it's really important that we look our best. And my good friend, Paul, can help you get there. Thank you. So until next time, bye-bye. Bye. -bye. bye.